please, uh, just open your heart for a second. Now, today is Memorial Day. That's a small uh, But it's, it's a very special holiday. It means something very powerful to me. You see, we still live in a country where it's free to go to church. Amen? We still, yes, we still live in a country where we can still carry the Word of God openly in our hands without fear of being arrested for having a Bible in your hand, without fear of quoting scripture. You know, we still live in a country where we can still preach the Word of God because, because, listen to now, because of the American armed forces. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for our armed forces. Memorial Day is a powerful, powerful holiday. Somebody once asked me, Pastor, what's the difference? What's the difference in all these military holidays? And so I want to share with you the difference quickly now, in a nutshell, what they are. Number one, Armed Forces Day is the day we appreciate those that are wearing the uniform. Veterans Day is the day we appreciate those that wore the uniform. Memorial Day is the day we remember and the day we appreciate those that didn't get to hang up the uniform because they gave every bit of themselves so that we could still have these holidays. That's what Memorial Day is. That's what being an American is all about. Don't forget those in uniform. Pray for them. Don't forget those that are still serving. Pray for them. Don't forget those that serve. Pray for them because some of them are still fighting the wars and the battles and they'll never let go of those memories. God bless United States Armed Forces and all who serve in them. And if you serve this week, we want to thank you if you served in your lifetime. We want to thank you if you have uh, fought in those wars. We want to thank you if you are a family member that has given the ultimate sacrifice and someone gave all. We, from the bottom of our hearts, want to say thank you. God bless you. Well, Memorial Day is not just a three-day weekend. There are multiple trees besides that. It's the most expensive barbecue you'll ever have. It costs every United States soldier, Army, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, anyone who's given their lives for our freedom. That's what small barbecue costs. Don't forget that. All right, with that being said, let's take a look quickly now at what today is. Today is Pentecost, and so hopefully you're wearing your red, which is, someone said, Pastor, where's your red? It's in my thigh, amen? And in a minute, it'll be in my face. <laughs> amen. <laughs> With that being said, I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on at Rock Sanity Baptist Church. Number one, we are preparing for our upcoming vacation Bible school. As you know, that's going to happen uh, June 12th through the 16th, and you can register right now. Now, we're doing something different this year in registration-wise. In other words, you don't have to fill out a paper form, though you can still do that if you want to. Turn into the office or to Ms. Rosalia, our VBS director. But now you can go to radcco.org. Click announcement and go straight to our registration page. You can sign up online. The office will get a copy of that, and you're done. That's quick. That easy. You are welcome to do that. Um, and so please start praying about our vacation Bible school. Start praying about being a part of. If you haven't registered your student yet, please start doing so now so we can start counting those kids that are in there. If you're interested in volunteering, you can also, I think you still have to fill out the paper form for that, though. But get with the office and get with Ms. Rosalia and let her know that you are interested in volunteering for Vacation Bible School. 
All right, so what else is coming up this week? Well, today, after services, we are going to have our power practice at 4.30. Is that right, Robert? Power practice at 4.30 today. Evening service at 6 o'clock, but I'm going to tell you we're going to get out early this evening at 6 o'clock uh, so we can get home and start celebrating Memorial Day and remembering those that gave all. Uh, so we will get out a little bit early tonight. Don't forget, there will be no experience in God's class tomorrow night. So you too, the federal holiday that's going to be observed tomorrow. Uh, ladies Bible study that usually happens on Tuesdays is still on hold until August. So get ready for the retreat. So prayerfully uh, be a part of that. And consider being a part of the Bible study when they come back. And they're going to use their retreat as a kickoff for the new Bible study. So look for more details to come out. I'm excited about that. Wednesday night, we'll continue with services here at 6.30. Uh, uh, with our prayer service and Bible study, so come and be a part of that as well. And men's Bible study still happening at 6.30 on Thursday. So, with that being said, I want to remind you that Friday, uh, Saturday, June the, um, well, let me just say June 3rd there, we're be having a fundraiser to get to camp. They're getting ready to go to camp themselves in July. And so they're going to have a car wash right here in the parking lot. So if you got a dirty car, bring it to these kids. They're doing it for donations only. And it doesn't matter what you donate or how much you donate, uh, but they're going to split it up into, uh, I think we have nine kids going to camp this year, seven, seven going to camp this year. And so either way, they're going to split up whatever they raise to help them get to camp. So perfectly consider being a part of that as well. Operation Christian Child item of the month is hygiene items. So you can start uh, purchasing those and start providing those to DJ so we can start getting ready for our OCC ministries coming up. And speaking of OCC, we were here yesterday. We had an Operation Christmas Child shipping fundraiser. We are so to have this. It was a wonderful yard sale. We missed out on it. We missed out on the blessing. We had a lot of people here, a lot of visitors here, a lot of vendors here, and of course a lot of people set up their own tables outside. And it was a lot of fun. And I was here from about 7:30 to about 2, and I had to leave up to go to a wedding last night. So what a beautiful time that it was. And I want to thank you for every one of you that are a part of that and helped make that the success that it was. I think that's it for our announcement, uh, Stephanie. Oh, yes, uh, thank you very much. So I've been reminded to tell you that uh, we're also trying something new this week. And you notice we didn't have as many paper bulletins that were out there. And the reason why is we're sending those bulletins out digitally now, like we do the prayer list. So if you're interested in that, what you need to do is get with Stephanie, provide her your email address. She will then put it on our mailing list, and you'll get those bulletins every Saturday night. You can pull it up on your phone, or you can print it if you wish. Or you can bring it in on your tablet, however you want to do it here in Sanctuary and do that. Uh, if you're visiting with us and don't want to give out your email address, you can go to rabcco.org and click the three little lines for more information, and it'll actually have a column that says weekly bulletin. Click it, and you can pull up today's bulletin. And also in the back, we'll have uh, several uh, still printed out hard copies of the bulletin, but not near as many as we used to give out in that. We're trying to, to cut down on the weight of those bulletins. Every uh, Sunday we'll pick it up about half of what we print out and then throw it in the way. So uh, if you're interested in that, let Stephanie know your email address, and, or you can always just download it each week to your phone as a visitor, however you wish to do that. Or if you still want the hard copy, let me know. And if it's overwhelming, we'll go back to printing the hard, hard copy. All right? Um, I think that we have one more for Stephanie. Yeah, come on.
Thank you very much, Jeanette. Now, if there's any other announcements, I may have forgotten. Let me look around here. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you pray, would you please rise and welcome one another? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house for this morning. Bless us now. Touch us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father God, that as we worship you, we would worship the entrance. May your spirit fall like rain on us. May we, Lord God, experience Pentecost today. And may we, Lord God, feel you and know that you're with us, Lord. I pray for those that are out traveling. I pray for, Father God, those that are not feeling well. Let them know they're loved and prayed for. Bring them safely back to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another.
Thank you. Love us now to that six ball. There's room up there for you if you want to sing. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Pastor, what is a big deal in Pentecost? That's the day the Holy Spirit came, and we recognize that, and maybe we should just move on. What is a little bit more to it than that? <laughs> a lot more to it than that. But um, I want to thank Brother Glenn for playing that beautiful song, uh, My Country Sister Me. And I need to get something off of my chest. I need to get something out right now. I still love America. I still pray for this country. I know that there's people up in Washington that's trying to wash our memories away, trying to take our righteousness away, trying to destroy our nobleness, but I believe God still has a remnant in the United States called the church and we're supposed to be praying, love, and we're not supposed to give in to that foolishness up in Washington. I pray for our country every day. I pray for our forces every day because I got boys that are serving in it. I must love this country if I told them, serve in the United States military. Wrap yourself in the red, white, and blue because there's no greater country in this world than the USA. Not a one. Not a one. I am still fiercely loyal, but I am also fiercely brokenhearted. Brokenhearted doesn't begin the country what we're putting out there in the name of political correctness, what we're putting out there in the name of being acceptable. I don't know about you, but I want to be accepted by God, not by the homosexual community. I want God to say, well done, now good and faithful servant, not somebody else. I want God to put His blessings back on the USA. He can do that, and He will do that if we, His people who are called by His name, will humble ourselves and call upon Him, repenting of our sins. He will. His Word declares it. He will heal our land. Do you know why we're suffering with the plague of homosexuality? It's because we have turned from God and made church into something it never was supposed to be. We're supposed to be here to worship Him and Him alone. you begin to understand why Pentecost is so important. Giving of the Holy Spirit. Understand the fulfillment of a promise. Now, this fulfillment of the promise of being endowed with power, being filled with His goodness, set on fire by the Holy Ghost. Well, when I was growing up as a Christian, there was nothing greater than when someone would get the ghost in them. You ever had a dose of the ghost? If, if you haven't, you need to get some. I'm telling you. So how do you get it, Pastor? Repent of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. Get yourself back in His Word. Get yourself back into obedience. That's where a lot of us go wrong. We'll be in prayer. We'll be in His Word. We'll be in church, but we don't obey. We don't obey. You some say, what else am I supposed to be doing? Well, look what's outside these walls. They need you to share the gospel with them. That's where we become disobedient. You're with me in Acts chapter 2? We're going to start in 
second with verse 1, if I can get my computer up and running. I'm not a very technical person, and some of you realize that. I don't trust technology. It's probably as much as I should. Uh, but uh, we are trying our best to embrace some of the modern features of technology. And I don't know about you, but every time I put some trust the technology, something gets deleted or erased that I really need. You ever had that before? <laughs> Man, I was trusting in that to save it. It didn't save it. It told me it did, but it didn't. Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, start with me in verse 1. The Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, and every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya are joining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and Catholics. Christians in Abraham, we hear them speaking in our own tongue. A wonderful work of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are fools and wine. And that being said, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we want to thank you for your word. As we look into your word, would you speak to us, would you teach us, would you touch us with your goodness, Lord? And it's my prayer, Father God, each and every one of us will be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Each and every one of us, Lord God, will experience you in your own way. And I pray, Father God, that as we experience you, we come to know you. If we don't know you, Lord God, then let today be the day that we call upon you, Lord. Repenting of our sins, trusting in you, we become Christians this morning. So we bless you, we praise you, give you all the glory, all the honor, even now in Jesus. So what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Well, of course, you know, it's giving the Holy Spirit. I asked you uh, Wednesday night to wear red because it's, it's traditional to wear red at Pentecost. So I love Pentecost. It's one of my favorite holidays. You know, I just said, well, you still haven't told me why, Pastor, other than to give the Holy Spirit. What makes it so wonderful? Well, if you're a Hebrew, there are different words for it. Pentecost is a Greek word for it. And Penta means five, as you know. We have Pentagon, right? We have Ground. I don't know if you say that in Baptist right? Things like that. But we have Pinta meaning five. And cost meaning the counting of the weeks, right? Five weeks. Count of the weeks, the feast of weeks. That's what Pentecost is. Feast of weeks. Well, in Hebrew, it's the word Shavuot. Say that with me. Shavuot. You say, I don't know how to say that. Say Shavu and Oat, and you got it. Shavuot. And what Shavuot is, is the counting of the Omer. That is the Jewish holiday Pentecost. The counting of the Omer. What is the counting of the Omer? I think that would bear with some uh, explanation. What do you think? Shavuah. I heard some amens on that. Shavuah. What is the counting of the Omer? Well, to be honest with you, literally, it's a countdown. Remember now, we're counting to the, to the 50th day. We're counting down. And so, beginning from Passover, actually first fruit, we start counting those 50 days. We're going to count seven weeks or 49 days 
and then the one making it 50, which is Pentecost, ending the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. And so what would happen is we kept Omer. Some of you may have heard that term before, Omer. So what is Omer? It's a, it was a measure of barley, a measure of grain that they would bring before the Lord and raise it before the Lord. An Omer of barley. You ever heard that before? You're, if you're a King James reader, an Omer. An Omer was a measure. How much it was is really not all that important. What's important is they would count the Omers. Every day they would begin counting those Omers. And they would not lose track of that Omers until they got to the 50th day. And on the 50th day, they were anticipating something marvelous happening. Something coming to them like a countdown. And could you imagine the excitement it would build? Day one, day two, day three, day four, and all the way to the 49th day. And on the 49th day, they started preparing in the evening for Shavuot. Shavuot, of course, is where they would take that first fruit and they would wave it then before the Lord and call it Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. He gave us the harvest. Pentecost did. Countdown. And of course, the big feast that came and the eating and the socializing and the fun that came. It literally now, as much as I love the United States, as much as I love our country, there is no greater country for celebrating than Israel. Somebody say amen. They had a feast or some kind of holiday every two or three weeks, it seems like. Praise God. If you want to get over there and do some eating, you need to go to Israel. So literally, it was a countdown. And that countdown resulted in a feast. Resulted in a big feast where they were grateful to God for giving them the harvest. They were counting down the Omer. One, two, three, all the way to 50. Now, it's a fact, though. I need you to understand this. It's a fact that in Jesus' time, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, he told them, hey, you're going to be in Jerusalem, and the Spirit's going to come and fill you not many days from here, and you're going to start doing things, things that you haven't done before. Of course, you know the story. We just read it in Acts chapter 2. There was a rushing, mighty wind. Flames came down and sat on everybody's head, and they began speaking in tongues. Now, that's what Pentecost is for you and I. That's what it is for us. Really, Pentecost is so much more. Not that there's anything more than the Holy Spirit. It means so much more. It's even more than the counting of the omen. It was the counting of the time when Moses was up on the mountain. Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and that was the final countdown when it was coming down. That is the giving of God's law. That's what Shavuot is. That's what Pentecost is. That's what it represents to Israel to this day. And as a Christian, what does it represent to us? It represents, well, God took His Spirit and He wrote God's law on each and every one of our hearts. Now you've got the picture. You've got the idea of what Pentecost is. But some of us are missing something. And that something we're missing is the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know this? Without the Holy Spirit, well, you're lost as a Christian. Amen? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not doing it right. You're not living right, one. And two, you don't have Jesus. I happen to believe that the moment you receive Jesus Christ, you also get sealed with the Holy Spirit. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it manifests itself differently in every person. And I'm not going to get into uh, the gift this morning or get into different pictures of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, God gave me a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift is to be able to be really, really loud. Some people ask me, how did you learn to do that? Preach in a prison. Preach in a gymnasium.
filled with soldiers, no microphones, and every one of them is staring at you and they start talking until you say, May I have your attention, please? Better yet, anytime a higher ranking officer would come in the room, they would say, Chap, can you get your attention? I talk like this. <laughs> I have a really loud voice. It's a gift from God. I love it because when I was a child, I didn't have a voice. You don't understand where I came from. This sermon isn't about me. And I need you to understand the Holy Ghost gave me something I never had before. And that's something called courage. And that courage is aggravating to certain people, irritating certain people. But where I came from, from a young man who was afraid to speak, afraid to talk, afraid to show anything to what God has made me today is a 180. Some of you are better at administration. Some of you are better at help. Some of you are better at Bible interpretation, etc., etc. There's all kinds of gifts, and we're not here to judge the gifts this morning. Same manner, you read through the Bible, you find out each day we want to fit into the body in a certain place, the body of Christ. And our gifts help that particular part of the body. There is no doubt that I fit in the mouth of the body of Christ. Amen? Not one doubt about it. That is what I do. Some of us need to be better ears. Some of us need to be better fingers, better toes, better knees, better elbows, better feet, better legs. We got a better heart. Now, those gifts, like you said, manifest differently. So, I need you to understand it's been a fact. It is a fact that the church has been praying for another Pentecost for at least 2,000 years. We pray all the time for revival, don't we? We pray all the time. God, send your spirit. God, do another work. God, pour it out on our sons and our daughters. Incidentally, when God poured out his spirit on the sons and daughters, the Bible says, and I'm going to quote the Bible here, it says, your, your young men will uh, see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Well, I'm still seeing visions, but I'm still young. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Missed something. We've been doing all that praying for all these years, and we haven't quite had that Pentecost experience. That Pentecost experience we've been craving, and let me tell you, we are craving it. We are starving for it. We are hungry for it. If God were to pour out a spirit today on Robertson Avenue, what do you think would happen? Well, a couple of things would happen. Number one, number one is we would change the way we feel about lost people. Because when God's spirit touches a believer, you will start loving lost people. Your number one concern is do they know Jesus? Everything else will fall into place later on. So what are we doing wrong, then, as a church? I don't talk about lost Avenue. I don't talk about church worldwide. Well, I'm not here to say this is one thing you should do wrong and one thing you've done right, etc., etc., but I'm going to say from the scriptures there's something we can look at, something we can learn from Pentecost. And we need to put back to work back to work in our lives. Well, from the beginning, from the beginning, if you will go back in Acts chapter 1, you will learn that the disciples, the apostles started doing something from the beginning that led up to Pentecost. Now, they knew there was a countdown. 
because they were Jewish. They were counting the Homer. They knew there was a countdown. Now, let me tell you something, church. You are Christians, and you know there is a countdown going on right now. And you say, what are we counting down to? Hello to the return of Jesus Christ. You know there's a countdown. And you should be getting excited. You should be getting filled. You should be getting busy. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming soon. Now, from the beginning, though, the disciples knew something about this. And actually, they're told by God. So let's take a look here in Acts 1, 4 to 14. They're told by angels. They're told by Jesus himself. So let's take a look here in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, that would be Jesus. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's the first thing that we need to learn if we're going to have another Pentecost. Another outpouring of the Spirit. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, and notice that which is quotation mark, he said, you have heard from me. I love that. You have a promise from the Father that I told you about. Are you catching you guys have a promise from God that I told you about, says Jesus. By the way, you need to stay in Jerusalem until you get that promise. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Look at verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Can, I, can you... You know what? Sometimes you just got to give a hand of applause to those disciples. They're spiritual turtles. God bless their hearts. Here they are saying, you know, the Holy Spirit's coming, but when are you going to set up your second kingdom? <laughs> no, they, they missed out on it. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is coming. I will need you to go to Jerusalem. You need to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And the first thing out of their mouth is, so when are you coming back the second time? Does that sound like modern-day church today? You know, we spend more time debating on what's going to happen at the end of time instead of winning our souls. You sound important. Verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know times and seasons which the Father put in his own soul. For you shall receive power. I love how Jesus redirects it. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end now, when he had spoken these things, this is the first time while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of his sight. This is the ascension. Verse 10, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who said, who, excuse me, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet which is near Jerusalem, just a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. That's the second part of what we look at right there. Number one, they said stay in Jerusalem. Number two, they go back to the upper room. Where they were staying was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealot, and Judas, son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brother. Now, if we want to experience Pentecost in our life, we want to experience a Pentecostal-style revival. And I'm not talking about do we need to get the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, jump and shoot. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about 
we need to all get out there. Do you remember that movement uh, about 25 years ago? They had the, the Holy Laughter Movement. Y'all remember that? Some of you groans now, right? And the reason why, some of us watching that with great interest, right? They had preachers getting up behind the pulpit and they just point at somebody and they start laughing. They're like, oh, he's got the Holy Ghost. Tell you what, put me on TV, point at me, and I guarantee you I'm going to crack right up. Holy Spirit or not, that's going to be funny to me. If we want to experience Pentecost in our life, in our churches, and in this present time that we are living in right now, we live in a precarious time where you have to be careful what you say because everybody's got a notebook out, don't they? Everybody's writing something down. Everybody is watching, judging, recording, memorizing, holding something that you said, saying, look, I got you now. If you want to experience a Pentecostal-style revival, and once again, I'm not talking about jumping pews and the squirrel went berserk in the first jump righteous church kind of revival. We don't need that. What I'm talking about is a Holy Ghost, heart-changing, life-changing, soul-saving revival Well, Pentecostal proportions that we need to start doing what the disciples did. we got to start doing what they did. Well, what did they do? Because that's what Pentecost is all about. What did those apostles do? Well, my Bible tells me that the first thing they did, now listen to me for just a second, the first thing they did was take themselves back to Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem. Jesus told them, go back to Jerusalem. Now, why is that important to us? Because some of us have stepped so far out of God's will, out of God's plan, out of God's word, and into our own wills, our own designs, our own desires, that we need to take ourselves back to Jerusalem. Are you one of those this morning where you've stepped out of God's will, out of God's plan, out of God's word, and you feel lost? I'm not getting any amens on that. I must be hitting the nail on the head. A point is this. We were commanded to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. The problem is, though, is we're getting saved and we're leaving Jerusalem. We're walking away without God's will, without God's plan, without God's word, doing what we think is right. Have you ever met somebody who thinks they're doing it right when really they're doing it wrong? You ever met somebody like you ever met somebody that's doing it wrong and then gets mad when you correct them? You ever met somebody that says, not only do I need to correct it, but I'm going to teach everybody else to do it my way because my way must be right because I've never been to Jerusalem. That's where the modern-day church is right now. We have left Jerusalem without receiving the Holy Spirit. But we need to go back to what Jesus said. He said, go back to Jerusalem. Get yourself back there and start waiting for the promise of the Father, which I told you about. Now, Jesus told His disciples, Something was going to happen. Now, we know what happened because we read Acts chapter 2. We read that the Holy Spirit came. We read that they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in tongues, and they began preaching. Have you ever read Peter's sermon? If you haven't, you need to do that. Peter's sermon is evangelical. It's not a coddling sermon. It's not feel good. It's not do better. In fact, my favorite modern-day Baptist sermon is this right here. God's good. You're not so try harder. You ever met one of those sermons before? Keep trying, and one of these days you'll measure up to what I think God is like. That is the wrong way to do the preaching. What the preaching needs to be is there is a Savior who went to a cross, who paid the fine you cannot afford to pay. He lived, He died, He resurrected, and He's still saving today. We need to go back to Jerusalem. Now, what makes Jerusalem so important? 
Because inside of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ was crucified. And I'm going to give you some ideas now for that. When you go back to Jerusalem, that means you've got to go back to the beginning. If we want a Pentecostal-style experience, if we want a revival, we've got to go back to the beginning. And the beginning of Christianity is the cross. We need to get back to preaching the cross, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified, and nothing else. Get back to Jerusalem. Get back there. When you're in Jerusalem, then you focus on what happened there. What happened there? Jesus Christ died for you. Get back to Jerusalem. And by the way, when you get there, you're going to realize God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. When you spend time dwelling on what He did for you at the cross, you will get filled with God's Spirit. You certainly shall. When you start contemplating on what He did for us, what He did for sinners, what He did for those even who don't believe, then you start realizing we've been too long out of Jerusalem. Get yourself back into Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. Not only was He crucified, but He was resurrected. Not only was He resurrected, but church, He ascended up into heaven. And now we're waiting for that Holy Spirit to fill us so we can get back to winning the law. That's what Pentecost means to me. Have you left Jerusalem lately? Have you left your first love? What is the first job of the church? Most people say to praise God. Well, you're not wrong. We're supposed to be praising God. But you missed out on the number one job of the church, and that is to seek and to save that which is lost. We need to get back to winning the lost. That's why we have such an epidemic of homosexuality today, because we are not preaching anymore. We're not teaching anymore. We're not praying anymore. Oh, we're praying, but you know what we're praying for? Give me, give me, give me, Esquiala, give me. Help me, help me, help me, help me. What we should be praying is, they're lost, they're lost, they're lost. Help me go get them, Lord. He is still crying. Did you know? Not only did he say, go to Jerusalem, but the disciples went in to the upper room. We must start going back to Jerusalem. You know what they did when they went to Jerusalem? They obeyed what Jesus told them to do. He said, you go back to Jerusalem. We're going to beg for that Pentecostal revival, but the first thing we need to do is start obeying. Are you out of obedience to the Lord? Are you out of His will? Jesus, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want to go back to Jerusalem. God's got a place for you. God's got a job for you. God's got service for you. God's got somebody for you to reach out to. God's got someone that you need to talk to. God's got someone that's going to come into your life. God's got somebody that needs to hear the gospel from you. You got to start obeying. You got to start obeying. You want revival? Start witnessing. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Start obeying. Let me tell you, if the disciples did not go back to Jerusalem, what do you think would have happened? They would be doing what the modern day church is doing today. What are we doing here? What's our purpose here? Where are we going to next? And we'll look at this church over there. They look pretty good, so let's do what they're doing. This church over here has a program, and that's pretty successful. Let's join in with their program. But all we ever had to do was obey. What did he tell us to do? Go back to Jerusalem. What's in Jerusalem? The cross. The cross is 
foolishness to those that are perishing, but it is the power of salvation to those that believe. Get yourself back to the cross, back to a crucified Savior who loves the world and died for each and every one of us. Get back to preaching the message, the simple message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Back to the cross. Back to Jerusalem. We've got to start obeying We've got to start obeying. And when we obey, we'll find ourselves walking back to Jerusalem. I love that country music song years and years ago. I don't remember who sang it, but he wrote it out there. He said, I'm marching to Jerusalem. Walking with Methuselah. The great song, even though it had absolutely no spiritual value. This made me smile. I want you to know, some of us have left out do things that have absolutely no spiritual value because it makes people smile. And deep down inside, they need to hear the message of the cross of a God who is judging this world as we speak, judging us guilty of breaking His law, the law that He gave us at Mount Sinai, what Pentecost is all about, that He wrote on each and every one of our hearts. Our conscience now bears witness to it, and if we will repent, and put our trust in Jesus Christ, we will never die but have everlasting life. We need to get back to Jerusalem. We need to get back to obeying. You know, the apostles didn't just go to Jerusalem, the Bible says. Remember, they went back into the upper room. Some of us need to do that as well. We're going to have that Pentecostal revival. We need to get back to Jerusalem, and we need to go back into the upper room. What's significant about the upper room? Oh, my goodness. Have you been missing the upper room experience for a long time? You've been walking in Jerusalem and saying, what am I doing here? You need to go back to Jerusalem. What happened in the upper room? I'm so glad you asked this morning. What happened in the upper room? To be honest with you, a lot of things happened in the upper room. A lot of things we take for granted. Number one, you ever thought, thought about thinking about it like this? The upper room experience was Jesus was last day. Oh, yeah, he's going to be resurrected. That was his last day. Can I ask you a question? What was he doing on your last day? He knew it was your last day, and he knew it was last day. He knew. What would you do? Would you pick up the phone and call your loved ones? Would you go to the horse track and get everything you have? Would you go down to 7-Eleven, take your life savings, and buy every lotto ticket you could? Or would you close the windows, unplug the telephone, Unplug your TV and spend as much time with your loved one as you can. What would you do? Let me tell you what Jesus did. Anyhow, he walked. We need to get back to the upper room. If you're going to have a Pentecostal spirit, we need to get back to the upper room where Jesus washed our feet. If we're going to have a Pentecostal-style revival, we need to get back to being servants, not expected to be served. Let me tell you, the King of Kings bowed down in front of us, helpless, depraved human beings, bowed down in front of us as a servant and washed our feet. Somebody say amen here. The King of Kings bowed down. He puts on the garment of a slave. He girds himself with a towel and washes our feet. He throws aside the crown. He throws aside his loyalness, his godliness, if you will, to a degree, and bows down and washes our feet as a humble servant and says, so have I done, you start doing to each other. We need to get back to the upper room and lay aside our ability to be in charge.
idea. You want a revival? Get back to the upper room. You know what else happened in the upper room? You know what else happened in? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is so small. A man by the name of John. A man by the name of John. <laughs> Somebody said that. Yay! <laughs> John. A man by the name of Yohan. My Bible says he laid his head on the breast. You need to get back to the upper room. You need to be John this morning and lay your head on the Imagine what that felt like to hear and to feel his heart underneath your ear. I wonder what the rhythm sounded like. It must have sounded like this to John, who wrote that beautiful gospel we quote so much. He wrote the word, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, who whosoever believes in him should not perish, but every man asked life. He wrote, But peace is written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life to his name. He wrote, He wrote, I am the way the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but through me. John wrote those words. And I wonder what he heard as his head is behind the breast of Jesus, hearing the very heart of God. I wonder what it felt like as he listened to the living I love you. My Bible tells me in Romans 5, eh? Listen to me now. My Bible tells me in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God showed you how much He loved you. He showed you by example how much He loved you. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As John laid his head on the breast of Jesus, he heard that heart riveting, radiating the words, I love you, John. I love them. John, go get them. John, they're lost. John, they need a Savior. John, they need to hear the message of the cross. So you need to get back to the upper room tonight. Some of us have let go of the upper room. We think Christianity is no longer in the upper room. We need to get back to the upper room where we understand the heartbeat of the living God speaks for the lost people of this world. It is not the will of God that one, one should perish. We need to go get them all. We need to get back to the upper room. We need to return to Jerusalem. We need to get back there. That's not all the Bible says. With that Pentecostal experience, that happening, that something wonderful can happen. I don't know about you, but I cherish today. I hear that trump blow. I cherish today. I hear that great shout. We don't really know what the shout is going to be. Some people say, and I think they're probably right in this. Some people say we're going to hear a loud hallelujah. Maybe. Maybe. I'll tell you right now, if you want to get my attention, you know what you should shout? Dinner's ready! (laughs) (laughs) Call me anything but but late for dinner, amen? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What do you think? What do you think we're going to hear? We're going to hear that. You better, I'm just saying, right 
you better get right right now. If you're not obedient right now, you won't be obedient when He descends from heaven with a shout and the trump of the archangel and the dead in Christ rise first. You'll still be saying, nope, I ain't going. Nope, I don't want to go. I don't know your voice. And you know what's funny? That's exactly what it's going to be. And just as they talk to you, I don't know you, you workers of Get back to Jerusalem. We need to get back to the upper room. Putting our heads back on the desk. But you know, not just good things happen in the upper room, right? Something bad happened too. Something very bad happened. Because not only did John have his head laid on the breast of Jesus, but some of the disciples whispered over to John and said, Hey, hey, find out who's going to betray Jesus. John did, the one who's going to betray you. And of course, Jesus himself is the one who gets him to stop. And if you see something to take your every one of the disciples says, Get him to stop. And Jesus says, No. That's why they all say, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, is it me? Was it me? Is it not you, Lord? And Jesus picks up, but you know the story. Satan enters his heart and says, Stop. We know the story. Disciples say he must be going to give money to the poor. That's how much they believe the suffering of Jesus. They are completely, completely fooled. You can fool anybody. You can fool me this morning. You can fool your mom and dad. You can fool your grandma and your grandpa. You can fool the church. You can fool your teachers. But you cannot fool Jesus Christ. He knows. You might need to return. Remember, as we started back in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, the disciples were on their way back to Jerusalem. The disciples did go to Jerusalem, and the Bible says the disciples went into the upper room. The upper room. I wonder what it would have been like to return to that place and to think about Jesus washing his feet, to think about Jesus saying, This is my body, broken for you. To think about Jesus saying, This is my blood poured out for you. And to think about those three days. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's with you right now. How do I know that? Because you're alive. Number two, you're here. You didn't come here by mistake. God brought you. You need to get right with Jesus. You need to be saved. But my Bible also tells us the disciples were all in one place. Are you here with me? One place. Remember that? You want that Pentecostal experience? You want that pouring out of the Holy Spirit? Then we need to get in one place. We need to quit victory over which church is right. You know, we fight to this day over which church is right. I want you to know there's only one church in the eyes of God, and that is the body of Christ, where He is the head. That's where we need to get back. You want that Pentecostal experience? Get back to one place. The Bible also says the disciples were all in one accord. That is not a Honda, y'all. It's not a Honda accord. One accord means they were agreeing. That doesn't mean they didn't disagree over certain things. They agreed over certain things. You know, Baptists, we will argue over the color of the sky. True, we'll argue over the color of grass. True, we will argue over the color of carpet, the color of curtains. What version of the Bible do you use? Really, we need to be thinking about what's important. What's important 
Jesus Christ for him crucified. And we're all in one accord. One accord. Back in Acts chapter 1, we find something else. So we get that in Acts chapter 2 there. One place, there's one accord. We also get it in Acts chapter 1, one place, one accord. But Acts chapter 1 adds something else. And we're all in prayer. We're in one place this morning. We're here. We're here. If you're willing today to say, I want to be in one accord. That's me. Willing this morning to say, not only one accord, but I'm ready to come to pray. Would you come and take the call? They were all in prayer. When they got into prayer, it wasn't very long. They were sitting in that upper room, but they heard the sound of the mighty, blessing. Back to one place, one accord, and in prayer, back in the upper room in Jerusalem, we're going to find ourselves having God's blessing wind blowing on us again, having those flames fill our hearts again, having a desire to win the lost again, seeking and saving that which is lost again, being about His business again. And if need be, don't get mad. If God sends you to people you don't know, He will equip you to do so. You see what He's saying? He'll you how to do it. Incidentally, just for you to think about what Scripture 13 tells us. Oh, those speaking tongues are great. Oh, they're wonderful. It's a wonderful, powerful gift. But I'm going to show you something even better. Speaking of tongues. You know what it is. It's love. Now, do you want to see this There is one language that everybody in this world Oh, we all speak English inside the sanctuary. Some of us speak German. Some of us speak Filipino. Some of us speak Korean. Some of us speak other languages. Maybe one of us speaks love. We speak it fluently. We speak it fluently. If you want to go in the power of the Holy Spirit to somebody you don't know who does not understand you, I guarantee you they will understand love. Love them. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. Show them that God's body is still moving, still loving, still saving, and still working in this lost world today. And you will find yourself in revival. Don't get caught up all the time in the rushing wind. Don't get caught up in the powerful flames. Don't get caught up in the essence of revival. You want revival? Become a doer. You find yourself a band. You'll find yourself in the middle of God's will. God's will will be in your life. There's no better place to be, amen. Pastor said, Pastor, I, I need to come to know Jesus this morning. Yes, you do. You need to come to know him right now. God didn't send you here by mistake. God didn't put you online this morning by mistake. You need Jesus Christ. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to humble yourself? Come down the aisle this morning and say, Pastor, I need to put Jesus in my heart. Pastor said, Brother Josh, I am a Christian. I am born again. I'm blood-bought. I'm redeemed. I need a home church. Would you be willing to come? One accord in one place this morning to be a part of Rock Valley Baptist Church. Pastor said, Pastor, I am a member here. I'm also a born-again, blood-bought Christian. But I am not in Jesus. I'm not. It's time for you to come back. When you come back to Jerusalem, you're going to find out there's an upper room. When you get yourself in your upper room, do what John did. Lay your head in the dust. 
Whatever the case may be, whatever He's calling you to do, we're going to have the word of prayer. We're going to ask you to come this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you for your life. I ask you to take charge right now. If there's anyone that needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, anyone, Father God, that needs to be a part of Robinson Avenue, anyone, Father God, that needs to repent, to obey, and direct this morning to the morning. We need to praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Come with me, Savior. Living for Jesus. Come on. The rule. Pentecostal experience. See it at Family Baptist Church. Don't forget, we'll have services tonight at 6 o'clock. I will let you out early, though. We begin that Memorial Day celebration. Uh, fire practice at 4.30. Uh, don't forget, no offense in God on Monday night. That's all the announcements I'm going to give you for that. The rest of you find in the bulletin there. Uh, but in the meantime, let's close in that word of prayer, and I will see you hopefully this evening. I want to ask uh, our Deacon Dave Titus, would you close in prayer today, sir? Let you all be dismissed. I hope to see you this evening. Shalom.